welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Welcome back to the show. This week's episode features Sarah Happ. She's the founder and CEO of Sarah Happ. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Jeremy Swainey. He's the CEO of Face Reality. Hope you enjoy the shows. Hello, hello, Jody. How you doing? Hi, Carrie. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's wonderful to be back. Uh, now that you've got me on a roll, you're not going to get rid of me. <laughs> well, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm super curious to hear um, our listeners' reaction to getting to meet Carrie, right? Someone who's always behind the scenes, but now she's on air, which makes me so happy. I want to uh, have a poll for our listeners, and we can do this on social. I want to know if anyone can guess where I was born and raised by my voice. Do people know where you're born and raised? I mean, your your accent is is a bit prominent. So I wonder if you've you've given it away in previous episodes. I'm sure you have. I mean, I go to the mall. So <laughs> doesn't that explain where I'm from? And I say y'all. There you go. All right. Well, we'll have to have a poll on social. Anyways. Right. And I, I drink water. <laughs> I don't drink water. Oh. I drink water. Uh, as a kid, I thought you spelled wash, W-A-R-S-H, wash. So <laughs> that's that. But but we've progressed forward. So Carrie, I want to talk about Sarah Happ, who's our guest this week. Um, I met this brand first from a makeup artist. There was a Sarah Happ lip scrub in the makeup artist kit. Okay, that's literally my exact same story too. Um, I met Sarah Happ's brand through a makeup artist and that was the lip scrub was the first step. Like, uh, I guess you, you prime the face and she had me doing that and it felt very foreign, but it also felt amazing on my lips. So I kind of got hooked as well. And, uh, Sarah did happen to send over some products for us after recording and I'm totally spoiled now. The lip mask, the lip scrub, she has so many unique and interesting products just for your lips. And it's incredible to have uh, a niche brand like that. You know, what I think is so cool about Sarah's company is that she is really willing to commit herself to focusing on lip, right? She's not a lip brand that then launched a foundation, launched an eyebrow gel, launched a hair serum, right? She's completely focused on lip. That's what she's known for, and um, they lean into it strongly. And I think it's very important for the customer, right? She, The customer doesn't want to buy everything from one brand, right? She wants to play and have fun with multiple brands. So to know as a reflex that if I want something for lip, I'm going to go straight to Sarah, I think is a really powerful position for the small company. I totally agree. As the consumer, I, I put full trust into them knowing what they're doing. And like you said, if they came out with a dry shampoo, it's like, really? But we know that they're experts and she is totally dedicated on um, fixing problems and all needs for lip care. And she really uh, dives into that in our episode. So shall we just jump right on in? Let's do it. All right. Listeners, enjoy episode 195 with Miss Sarah Hopp. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be joined by Sarah Hap. She's the founder and CEO of Sarah Hap. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hi, Jody. Good to meet everyone. Thanks for having me. 
I'm so excited to be doing this. I'm glad we can make it happen. I actually met you by phone maybe over a year ago. It might even be two years at this point through Peggy. So it's really nice to reconnect. And I'm so excited for our fans to learn more about you. Thank you. Yes, Peggy Fry is uh, our company's president. We call her Mrs. President, and she is phenomenal. She's she's the greatest uh, leader, and we just love her. So um, let's go back in time, Sarah, long before um, you were even a teenager to maybe like 11 years old. And if somebody asked you what you want to be when you grow up, what was your response? A news anchor. I wanted, uh, if I were 11-year-old Sarah up until, I mean, five-year-old Sarah up until USC, 22-year-old Sarah wanted to be Diane Sawyer, very much. Um, I really wanted to be an on-air news broadcaster. And you knew that starting at five? I knew it. Yes, I did. I (laughs) I loved local news. I loved reading the paper. I'm from Chicago, so I'd read like the Chicago Tribune, and I loved watching local news. And I then, you know, discovered like ABC News and and the Diane Sawyers and the Connie Chungs of the world. And I very much want, I connected with it for some reason, and I really wanted to be them. So I followed it all the way through to journalism school. I went to broadcast journalism school at USC, very much on purpose. Um, And figured out that my strength was not in news or in front of the camera. It wasn't. My strength was really, I loved television. I loved the media. I could get behind that, but from a business perspective. So was that a hard dream to give up? No, because it was really, you know, Jody. it wasn't because it was so apparent to me. I was with all these really talented people at USC who were simply better suited for that job than I was. And I think the other thing that it made very clear to me was I wasn't willing to work in the environment that you sort of have to work in to work your way up. So what I did instead, when you're a local news broadcaster, you leave school and then you send your footage out to every news market. I think you know this, Jody, and you try to get hired. Um, I just didn't want to do that. I knew I wanted to be in big cities with big companies. That's what I responded best to. So I took a job gratefully with ESPN, Cable Sports in Connecticut, and I left LA and moved to Connecticut for six years where I worked for ESPN. So Sarah, I'm giggling inside because I have a friend um, in town who did that job. She went to school for journalism. She got on air in some, you know, local, I don't even know what, where she was. And she still has videos of of her work. And she looks like she's 50 years old, even though she's 22, like the makeup, the hair, the whole thing. <laughs> now she has a better job in advertising. <laughs> Yeah. If if you can pull it off, my hat is off to any broadcaster who can do it. I just, I wanted to work for a large company and I wanted to, um, to do it behind the scenes. Funny though, when I got to a large company and was working in cable sports and it was incredible, I, I always say that I was inspired by how uninspired I actually was. Um, working in that environment. Now I was working around sports geniuses. These people that were just, they lived and breathed ESPN and our products. And I was, I loved media, but I was a beauty girl at heart. So where my coworkers would go home and listen 
to ESPN radio and have four different televisions in their living room streaming every show and have it on their phone. And, you know, this was in like 2001, 2002, up to 2005. Um, I realized, all right, I love sports and I love media, but these people live and breathe it. What I go home and do at night and on weekends is I take a bubble bath with 16 different products and I read allure and in style and beauty editors are my favorites. And that's what I do. Um, and that's what eventually led me to start creating my own product. I think it's so interesting when you're at a job and you like look around and see your peer group and realize like, this isn't, these aren't my people. Um, I had that experience. I had a, a advertising agency job and everyone there was like so excited about like which agency is getting which account and like obsessed with it like they would track it like the way people would track sports like so and so's switching agencies and like wh- who's swapping creative director roles like they followed it like it was sports like the, the statistics of it were very fascinating to them and like I just didn't care like I really like could not have cared at all and I like looked around I'm like you know while I love like the job I'm doing like these aren't my people I had to find my people and yeah I found them in beauty too oh Jody yes find your people I think that is um your people are out there that's what I would say your people so for us it's beauty people for you it's beauty and media um my people are definitely beauty people, a thousand percent. And my people are entrepreneurs. They're actually not the big companies that I thought I wanted to work for. They're people that start small and either stay small or they grow their brand into something very large. So yes, our people are, you can find your people, whatever you're doing, there are others out there like you. So um, you just mentioned like big companies. I, I think on the surface, if somebody looked at your list of distribution, they think you're a big company. They think that you would classify yourself as a big company. So I don't know if I have the most recent list, but I'm looking at Ulta, Blue Mercury, Nordstrom, QVC, Amazon, hundreds of you know boutiques and spas that are independently owned. So that would sound on the surface like you're a big company. Are you a big company? You know what? Okay. So it's really funny. I was on the phone with my good friend, Indy Lee, um, who Jody and I were talking about before we started recording. Um, Indy and I were both having this conversation yesterday on the phone together. You know, she's distributed in all those places as well and beyond, and she's worldwide and she is just a force unto herself. At the heart of it though, we're both entrepreneurs. So in any given day, our company only has nine employees. And then it probably takes a symphony of 30 people to make us go. So my publicist, Jasmine, is in New York. She's on this call. Um, you know, it's, it's a whole symphony of people. But in our LA office, it is eight women plus me. That's it. So we are tiny but mighty. And we make a lot of things happen. And everyone does all the jobs. So supporting all those retailers is an enormous amount of resources, right? It's not just about people. It's about money too, right? Um, Jody, I always say business is personal. So it's relationships. Like I see all of those different companies behind Ulta, behind Nordstrom, behind QVC, there are humans. So it's, it's about keeping those relationships strong and making sure that we are giving every different retail outlet 
what they need and what serves them best. What serves the QVC customer best is not what serves the Neiman Marcus customer best, is not what serves the Ulta customer best. It's not what serves the indie boutique two minutes from my house here in Manhattan Beach that's owned by my neighbor. That doesn't serve her. So we, it's like serving your different audiences well and keeping those relationships really intact because, um, you know, everything, business is personal. So um, at the beginning of this journey, before you actually started the company, someone told you that you shouldn't start until you get an MBA. Was that person, was that person right or wrong? Jody, you are such a researcher. I know this about you. Um, that is true. I was told in 2005 that I had a very good idea and clearly I had a on mind for business and, and I had the fire and all of that. But that what I should really do is pause and go back to USC and get my MBA. And my answer was absolutely not. Um, I loved school. I loved broadcast journalism school. I was in my sweet spot, loved it. I did not want to go back to school at all. I also had this feeling that I was meant to be an entrepreneur that shot from the hip, that kind of went with my gut. And I had this idea for a lip scrub that didn't exist, right? So in my brain, I am in a race against the clock. This is 2005. This is 16 years ago. I am in a race against the clock because no lip scrubs in 2005 existed. If you Googled it, Google returned zero results for the term lip scrub. Anyone that's listening, Google it now. You're going to find I don't even know how many, but so I knew I was sitting on this idea that didn't exist. And I was like, if I go back to business school for years, this is going to be in Sephora and my idea is going to be toast. So, um, it was well meant advice, but for me, it was a thousand percent wrong. And I'm frankly, really happy that I never did it because I went into starting my brand with so much hope and optimism and enthusiasm and just like natural excitement. And my strategy was nothing they would teach you in business school. It was all just in my brain. And it was probably something that business school would frown upon. Um, Even the best entrepreneurship programs, like I was just doing it. So my own like Sarah style that, it was, and I look back now and I'm like, you were a little lunatic. You were a 25 year old little precious lunatic. Um, but I think that business school would have probably scared me out of a lot of the moves that I made. So I'm curious, I, I, my guess is many people told you, oh, that's nice, but you can't make a, a company out of just lip. Yeah, no, we still hear that today. I mean, we're 16 years in and we still hear from people that, you know, why just lips? And my answer is the lip industry. If you do a very deep dive, it is the oldest industry in beauty, right? Like Charles Rebson, Estee Lauder, um, you know, lipstick is one of the very first things that was ever a beauty product. The lip industry, as I learned after I made my lip scrub and took it to market, I learned very quickly with the chemists that were around me by that point, um, 
that the lip industry is the dirty little secret is that it's like empirically broken. So what you're used to putting on your lips most of the time, whether it's from a drugstore or whether it's from a luxury boutique, it probably dehydrates. It probably dehydrates your lips and it probably leaves you wanting more, which is excellent business right? As a brand, as a company, that just means people are going to become quote addicted and buy more and more and more because they're licking it off and it doesn't stay and it's dehydrating, dehydrating them. So they use more, so they need more. My answer, Jody, was what if we made lip products that truly did hydrate and also that fix problems that you don't even know you have? Fine lines around your lips, lip asymmetry, um, you know, cracked lips, dry lips, lips that you think are too big, too small, somewhere in between. Um, you don't like your lip color. Why don't we change the way people look at their lips and let's put out skincare for your lips. So think of all of the skincare problems that brands are solving for those all apply to your lips. So we have four years of lip products already made, like that are already in R&D that are ready to roll out today. I could do this for like decades. I love the focus because I think that the customer's um, really just confused. Um, she, you know, there, there's like the, there's the beauty junkie people who are like researching and, you know, heavy users, I'll call them. But then there's everybody else. And the everybody else are the people who are really buying the product. And they're just overwhelmed and confused. So I think when a brand can really just say like, this is what we do and this is um, our specialty and you don't need to look anywhere else for lip, I think it's, it makes the customer relax and um, be able to navigate the products and navigate the options. Thank you, Jody. I completely agree. And that's my thing. My answer is I'd rather do one thing and do it perfectly than go into color, which I don't actually know anything about, you know, um, that's not my wheelhouse. And I really look to brands like I have two girlfriends, Allie Webb, who started dry bar, Sarah Gibson Tuttle, who founded Olive in June. They both have built brands around the notion of doing one thing. Allie stuck to blowouts. It is blowouts, no cuts, no color, just blowouts. Um, that's what she does. And Sarah Gibson Tuttle with Olive in June, it is nails. If you go into an end cap now at Target, all she does is nails. Do people want her to do face and feet and hair? Of course. But what she loves is nails. So when I want a blowout, I go to dry bar. When I want my nails done, I go to Olive in June. So I appreciate that. And I too think that if you focus your consumer and you let them know you're doing one thing and you are going to deliver on what you're saying, because you really mean it and you've got the product right the first time, um, they trust you. And that's why I think we've been here for 16 years because we, people trust us. So let's talk about 16 years because it's, it's a long time. My, I've had my business for almost 15 and you sound very optimistic and really engaged, even though you told me you're not feeling well, but you still sounds like so excited about the business. And I'm wondering, like, has it gotten a lot easier? You know, um, do you still or how do you keep the momentum um, and your energy level? Um, you know, because it's a long time. 
It is a long time. You know what it is? It's like, it hasn't gotten easier. Like things don't get easier. And this was something that I've talked about with all of my female founder brands, um, friends, particularly in beauty, the bigger you get, the bigger, it's all the same problems. It just, they might be Nordstrom wide problems, or they might be in your kitchen problems, right? We're all dealing with the same things. A really good piece of advice that was told to me by my brother, who is older and wiser than me, he said, Sarah, it doesn't get easier. You get better at rolling with the things. So for me, you know, what I maybe considered 10 years ago to be catastrophic, I now can navigate. What I consider to be a real, what I maybe would have considered to be a really horrible problem or unsolvable, I can, I can rule with better now. So it's like, a, it's like managing stress and knowing that as an entrepreneur, it's all a ride and it's all cyclical and just calming yourself, chilling out. Um, my excitement level comes from like loving what I do. I love it so much. I don't love all of it. I was on a finance call for an hour this morning. That wasn't fun. Um, my PR calls with Jasmine are so fun. My, we have a call on Friday about our product rollout for the next three years. I can't wait, but I don't love all of it, but there is enough of it that I am obsessed with that it keeps it fun. The other thing that keeps it fun is our customers and knowing that there are women and men out there that we're serving that actually buy our stuff and love it. And I want to just keep serving it up for them. You know, your brother's advice is so meaningful to me because in therapy, like this is what I've been talking about with my therapist, like um, finally finding ease through through the work, right? Like this, um, my body, I've been able to teach my brain and my heart that like, yeah, think there's easy days and there's hard days, but that even through the hard days, there is a sense of ease, Um and um, it's true, like over time, that's the gift. I mean, that's like wisdom, I guess, right? Um, that uh, I, the problems actually probably get bigger, but they feel less big because I'm, I'm already proven to myself I can handle anything. Yes, I agree. And I think that in anyone's life, whether you're in business, whether you're a parent, whether you're, you know, single, it doesn't matter wherever you are in life. Like the more challenges you face, the stronger you do get. And you can recall what you've already done before. You know, you can say like, all right, this seems insurmountable or this seems like a big deal. But guess what I did two years ago? If I can get through that, I can get through this. So I think it's just a matter of like, you know, it sounds so easy to say remain optimistic. I would say just keep betting on yourself because we are all smarter and stronger than we think we are. And the advice I'd probably give to my best friend about how amazing she is and how tough she is and how smart and resilient and strong she is, give that to yourself and take it. I love that. I needed that in the first um, many of years of my business, I guess until like two years ago. Um, I had so much self-doubt. It really was debilitating. And um, But of course, I was like everyone else's cheerleader. If a friend was having a problem, I would tell them everything you just said. But I wasn't feeling it for myself. I wasn't believing it, you know? And there was a moment where 
um, thanks to therapy and three different coaches and a great team, I was able to like see the light switch go off in my brain and be like, oh, right. I don't need to doubt myself. I don't need to live in fear. I can do this and I'll do it whatever way it gets done. It's going to happen. Um, there was, there was like a big turning point for me and it, it changed so much about how I approach balancing, um, being a mother and owning a business. I was super fearful that I was going to become this like toxic, mean mom who like never wanted to hang out with their kids. Like I had this, like, like this weird movie playing in my head and I wasn't leaning into my work cause I was terrified I was going to become somebody I didn't want to be. And then once I realized like, I don't, just because I lean into my work doesn't mean I'm going to become this like mean monster once I realized that like no one is writing that script for me, I was able to do both beautifully. So it's like fascinating what our brains can do to us. Yeah. I would also say that the people that are concerned that they're not doing a good enough job, whether it's at your business, whether it's with your friends, whether it's as a parent, you're probably trying the most amount, right? Like, the people that, that don't think they have it all together, that feel like they don't have all the answers, that worry, that go to bed at night thinking, was I a good enough parent today? Was I a good enough boss or coworker or friend? You know, um, you're probably trying really hard because you care that much. Um, so like, I think we all need to go easy on ourselves. We all need to go probably easier than we do on ourselves at whatever stage in life you're at. So let's shift gears and talk about um, glamour because I don't know why I associate your brand with glamour because I don't know that that's a word you use, but I feel like there's something, a glamorous aspect to it. Um, am I right? There is. And it's so funny. Um, I was just telling Jody before this that I, yeah, I'm, I'm under the weather today. So I'm like, no makeup. What I hair in a, in a bun. That's what I've got going on. Um, but what I will always have, the one thing I can nail, even on a sick day, is my lips. I care so much about lip care that my lips will always be scrubbed and glossy. And I love the word glamour because I think lip products um, are one of the, uh, they are a very quick fix. Does beauty fix every problem? Absolutely not. Can beauty give you a really quick feeling of confidence? Yes. So I was on a call right before this, a finance call. And before I talked to you and sat down over here, I scrubbed my lips, put on some lip gloss. And it was like that one thing that just kind of like boosted me up and got me ready for this. So I think that, yes, I love the idea of glamour. I also love the idea, though, of attainability. We want everyone to know that whether you're a glamour girl, you're a beauty junkie, you're, you know, one of my favorite um, accounts on Instagram is Dirty Boys Get Clean. So Matt, who runs that, you know, he's like the ultimate beauty boy. Um, whether you're that or whether you are a girl who wears no makeup, a guy who wears no makeup, doesn't, you know, it's not your priority. What we can do is give you really good lips. Everyone can scrub their lips and feel better. Everyone can swipe on a little bit of lip slip and feel better. We can do that for you. And it can be a no makeup, no glam day, or we can give you the full glam with, you know, three lip steps, and then you can go to your wedding. 
So let's talk about um, leadership. You um, wrote to us that you trust your team to get their work done. And um, what I equate that to is treating your team like they're adults. So tell me what your leadership philosophy is when it comes to trusting your team. Man alive. Okay. So my leadership team, my leadership style comes from two things, hiring people that are smarter than me and hiring people that are, or if I can't afford those people, having them as advisors um, and hiring people that fill the gaps that I know I have. One of my, one of my weaknesses is math and finance. It is very hard for me. I am a writer. I can mix color all day. I can create beauty products in my kitchen all day, all night. Looking at a spreadsheet for me and learning our numbers is difficult. My brain just processes things differently. So what do I do? I hire really good accountants and I hire people that love spreadsheets. Um, And I have a president of our company who lives and breathes all the things that I'm not great at. So I think it's a matter of knowing what you're good at knowing what you're bad at and hiring appropriately or surrounding yourself appropriately with people that fill those gaps. So my last question for you is um, a fun one. So the uh, your best friends, what do they think is the coolest part about your job? <gasps> they love, okay, so my girlfriends love testing new products with me. And it's really fun. So it's, um, if you come to my house, even pre-COVID, like right now, my house is my office. Um, if you come to my house, I probably have samples that aren't going to come out for two years or three years or six months. And I want really good feedback from my friends who are deeply honest. A lot of them do own their own beauty brands, so they know exactly what I'm doing. Um, and it is so fun testing stuff out on them and with them. And they are a very different group of, of females. Um, so some love beauty, some don't. But I get this great feedback and this great consensus. I also do that. I have a little girl. She's seven. She is very much a part of our company. She's actually a shareholder. Um, and she tests everything. And her little friends come over and they test everything. And that is really a fun thing to do with people. And it brings me so much joy to like, R&D, basically research and develop with real people who are my friends who will give me honest feedback and they get a real kick out of it. And I do too, because it's valuable for me and for them, it's just fun to see what's coming in, you know, six months, a year, three years, whatever it is. So I think that's really fun. Um, There's actually a product out. We have a lip illuminator that my little Julia, she's seven, when she was probably four or five, we mixed it together in our kitchen. And this was, I mean, this was like, whatever, 14 years into the company. We have labs, like we have chemists. But Julia and I mixed it together with like eyeshadow and pigments and our lip slip and um, various oils that I had around the house. And now we sell it. Like, obviously it doesn't come from my kitchen, but Julia and I made it. And I still have in our office, the little paper plates and the bowls that we made it with. Um, so. That kind of stuff, like the creative stuff is like the most fun part of my job. And it's the most fun to share with my friends. 
So Sarah, the idea that your daughter's um, a shareholder in the company is so cool. I don't even know how to do that, but I want to make my kids shareholders in my company. So here's the story, the real story. And I, I share this because I think there's a perception um, in social media where everyone's life looks really awesome. Um, the real story is that I am divorced from Julia's dad. So she's seven. We were college sweethearts at USC. We got a divorce when she was a year and a half, which is very young for, you know, by divorce standards. But we realized then that we were truly meant to be best friends and not married. And we were a stronger team than we were couple. So we got divorced and in the divorce settlement, he gave. So our whole life became now let's be partners and let's be about this little baby girl that we both love more than anything in the whole universe. So in the divorce, he had, he owned 10% of my company because he helped me start it. We'd been together since we were 20 and, you know, he was there for all the nitty gritty. Um, he owned 10% of my company. And then the divorce, my divorce attorney suggested, she said, why don't we have him transfer his shares to Julia? because it's all about her now. Right. Um, and he was like, absolutely. So it's in her name and she is my second largest shareholder. I love that. That is so sweet. Yeah. And I also would want to share with people that our divorce was not fun. It wasn't. Um, but I love him dearly and it's been six years now and we've done all the therapy and all the work and he's truly my best friend. He's coming over tonight. I love his new girlfriend. Um, it's Julia's half birthday. So he's bringing cake, you know, like it can be done and it can take some time and work, but it can be done. But yeah, that's how Julia got her 10%. Her dad gave it to her. So thank you for sharing um, your journey, your personal journey. And I, I think it's so relevant because, you know, we are human beings and like our, our work and our personal life get intermixed, especially as we're entrepreneurs and running businesses. and. Um, you know, there there are things that happen in our lives that are not like the actual work, but they impact the way we see the world. And I, I think it's so important to honor those. And um, people on our show have been, you know, really transparent about challenging situations in their lives. And I, that's like the whole reason I started the show is like, so that we're not all like marketing robots, you know, that we all get to know each other in a deeper way, more in a more meaningful way than just, you know, a resume on LinkedIn. Hundred percent, and I think that's one of the kindest things we can do for each other, regardless of what your wheelhouse is. Um, it's just to share your stories, and it normalizes things for you. You know, we can just normalize things for each other and say, like, "Hey, I've been through this too," or maybe you wouldn't get that from the Sarah Hap Instagram feed, but come over to Sarah Hap herself, and I will absolutely document. You know the fact that the other day my boyfriend jeans ripped because I've outgrown them in COVID. Like I was at school dropping off my little girl and I did that pull-up thing that you have to do when your jeans don't fit. Right. And they used to be boyfriend jeans, which meant they were baggy. They're not anymore. And I ripped them and I was like, wow, like double whammy. My boyfriend jeans split. So like, I'll share that on Instagram and it's so gorgeous. Like people light up my DMs and they're like, girl, like I don't even wear Spanx anymore because my Spanx don't fit, you know? So I just love our little community that we've built and I try to be transparent. And also Jasmine will tell you, she sees me on calls like this. 
I filter stuff when I want to see myself with long eyelashes. So I do that too. You know, we're all just, I think we're all just doing our best, but we can just the most, I think the kindest thing we can do is just share our stories, share information the way you do on this podcast and normalize stuff for each other. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing all this and for sharing your wisdom with my listeners today. Oh, Jody, thank you so much. I just think, first of all, it's like the best um, name and you handle things. You are a true journalist at heart and a true researcher. And I really respect what you do. And I think your audience is getting some super cool content from some very, very wonderful people. So thank you for including me in the mix. Thank you, Sarah. I think I'll call you when I'm having a down day so you can cheer me up. <laughs> Girl, I might be having a down day too. And maybe we'll just have to like Postmates donuts. Or maybe I'll be having a great day it. and I'll lift you up or vice versa. I don't know. I have Sounds no answers, good. but I will make sure your lips are smooth. That I will do. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sarah. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.